Thank you to uh, the baseball writers, all but one of you, who voted for me. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer. Yeah, you, first question. Go ahead. Was that a team decision? Yeah, I'm not going to be answering any questions about Rain and Spencer Davidson. We'll be dealing internally. Over here. Uh, do you think we'll be seeing more of Rain Stradamus and Nostra Davidson? Teaming up. I thought it played pretty well. Uh, we'll have to look at the tape on that and uh, make a decision moving forward. Yeah. You guys used to be. Why shall I snort? What happened with that? All right, I'm done here. Exit 31. One, two to four on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. All hockey today on Football Friday, Spencer Davidson. Yeah. I mean, hockey season starts next week. By the time we're at this time next week, the NHL will have started the regular season. Incorrect. What are you, what are you talking about? Exhibition games this weekend for the Crunch and the Comets. Well, you accuse. They don't matter, though, right? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. We're starting off the show. We are 30 seconds into the show, and you're already starting off with me. You're wrong again. We're not even 30 seconds into I the show. I said that this time next week, the regular season in the NHL will have begun. Oh, yeah. Okay. If I if if I listen to the semantics, you're absolutely correct. What do you mean semantics? If you listen to what I literally said. Okay, that's literally what you said. <laughs> Let's get into what you said about the uh, Rams-Seattle game Thursday Night Football last night, but we'll wait till you're killing me, Smalls, for that. I have a feeling... We're going behind enemy lines today on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. We're going to do that with Connor O'Neill from Deacons Illustrated. We'll have the breakdown with Stephen Bailey at 24-7 Sports. We're going to talk to John Schmelk for the Giants fans out there because ESPN Radio is the home of the Giants, right? And uh, let's see, Mike Curtis, Syracuse.com's also going to be joining us today. So that's exciting. It's you, exciting. You ready for all those fun guests on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone line? So yeah, hockey stuff on a football Friday for Spencer Davidson. I honestly couldn't find my, my Syracuse hat. <laughs> I, I, I went to grab my Syracuse hat when I was walking out the door today, and I, and I, I couldn't find it, and I didn't really have, have time to, to go searching for it. I, I think I know where it is, but not right. 100% positive. Right. We'll find it tomorrow, yeah. about, about 3.30 kickoff. You ready to go with the dog mentality, Nostra Davidson versus Rain Stradamus? Let's do it, as long as you're not mansplaining things. Uh, probably will be Rain mansplaining some things, um, but hopefully you'll give us some of your thoughts, too. Uh, we've got sound check in a second that's going to incorporate really what we want to talk about off the top, which is clearly Wake Forest and Syracuse and football. And oh, but by the way, we're we're going to air some audio from Dave Clawson, Wake Forest coach, a little bit later. You know that Dave Clawson is also the name of the Utica College women's ice hockey coach, spelled differently. But it's though. spelled differently, yeah. Isn't spelled it spelled differently? But it's still Cl- Dave Clawson. Clearly, no relation. And then we're just kind of make fun of him a little bit. We're just going to be idiot homers. It'll All be right. fun. I his, like that. His, his answers are more concise. Than Dino's. Dino likes to expand or expound or, or storytell and drop in movie. Dave Clausen's just matter of fact, mm. straightforward. Yep, that's something we'll get to today. I promise. Uh, last time versus Wake Forest, though, thirty-eight fourteen. Obviously, last year in the carry dome wasn't great. Uh, Sam Hartman threw for two hundred and fifty, played nineteen passes. Christian Beal Smith, eighty-seven yards, nineteen carries. Rex Culpepper, 15-27. Then Jacoby and Morgan, remember him? 7 out of 7 for 57 yards. And that late touchdown, uh, Cooper Lutz had 81 yards rushing. That was uh, probably the best day Cooper Lutz has had overall. Garrett Williams, 9 tackles and his first college sack against the Demon Deacons. He's somebody that's probably going to be important that secondary, the defense in general. It's a pretty damn good one. It's 11th overall in the nation heading into this. And overall defense leading the ACC. Uh, Cuse is... Five and a half to six and a half underdogs tomorrow, depending on where you look in Vegas. They are an upset special of some of the Vegas insiders, and they are four and one against the spread so far this year. What are your first thoughts on the matchup tomorrow? 
I feel pretty good about it. I do. I feel pretty good about, about uh, you know, Syracuse's chances. I think, you know, obviously their defense is far more improved than it was when these two teams played last year. Having fans in the stands at the Carrier Dome, being able to have some of that crowd noise at the Loud House, I think will help. And I think, you know, as long as, as, long as Garrett Schrader can find a little bit more rhythm in the passing game, you know, I think Sean Tucker walks all over the Demon Deacons. They, so. have, they have three running backs. we got to break this down. You know what? Continue. It's the 19th team in the country overall. They're undefeated, and there's some key guys on that team. Well, obviously, you got to worry about the whole team, but who are some of the key guys? Give me a player or two. I don't care if it's offense or defense. You think that we need to look at. You can give me a Q's player. You can give me a Wake Forest player, maybe one of each. I think I'm going to throw one of each at you in a second. All right. Um, for Syracuse, uh, you know, I think I'm going to actually throw a little bit of a curveball here. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to go with Chris Elmore with Rhino. I I he's listed as the number 1 tight end and obviously we know say. Syracuse has not really incorporated the tight end that much although with the last game that Luke Benson uh was in they they started to and then he got hurt. But I really think Chris Elmore is going to be a part of this offense this week. I think he's going to get a couple of short routes on the inside, maybe a couple slants just to get a couple of big first downs. And, and, and of course, you know, blocking, you know, for, for Sean Tucker, I think Elmore is going to be front and center in that. So I really think that Chris Elmore is going to be involved and noticeable in this game. And I, and I think it's going to help the, the, the passing game and the running game with his blocks. So Dino and Sterling are going to throw a, a little curveball, as you said, at Dave Clawson and Wake Forest. I think they're going to go a little bit more tight end this week. Y- you know, you might have to try something a little bit outside of the box or maybe show some cards you haven't laid out on the table quite yet this season. I've suggested a couple of times this week that I think, I'm not saying you're going to get it, but you would hope, Mm -hmm. and this is not something that Wake Forest is known for this year, but turnovers and a key interception, a takeaway, a fumble, something along those lines that might help the offense. For me, though, the key is the quarterbacks. You know you have three good running backs and an offense that, moves like molasses <laughs> they do it's sludgy it's slow it's what you see from this team and they they move in slow motion and then bang the play comes at you but I think it's the quarterbacks overall for me the, the keys to this game are Garrett Schrader and Sam Harden because you know we've got Sean Tucker and they've got to deal with him okay we're putting up some points this year they're putting up some points this year the difference is Sam Hartman's a proven passer uh, he can throw the football yeah point blank, plain and simple. And we are slowly seeing Garrett Schrader do that, but we need a little bit more of that. And we're really going to need a little bit more of that against Wake Forest than what we've seen so far, because as you know, it keeps them honest. That's, I think, going to be the deciding factor. I mean, both teams have a good kicking game. We're going to get into all that in a little while. We'll give you some numbers and some names, but those are my players. Is that sound reasonable to you uh, you want to change your keys or do you think we're good with that no no I, I like what you said I think for for me a key for wake is going to be Christian Beale Smith you know they have that three-headed monster so to speak yeah. uh, in the running game and, and you know that's led by by Bill Smith so I think that you know that that's going to be key but for me because of the fact that I think he's going to be so involved in the game can Syracuse's defense stop the pass. Yeah, because we know that they, they that they can they can defend against the run, but we know that Hartman, like you just said, can air it out. 
So are they going to give up big yardage up the middle of the field? They don't give up a lot of sacks. They got a decent offensive line. Their key player on the offensive line is Zach Tom. They've been one of the best. MRI 901 at QSportsTalk.com in the chat is saying if they can keep Hartman in the pocket and get pressure, they're going to see some turnovers. Well, I will just counter that with 13 touchdowns and just two interceptions this year for Sam Hartman. So hopefully this is the game that he, yeah. he coughs it up a couple of times. Uh, what, what are some other keys to this game? I mean, do you think that you had said, what was it, 24-17? Was that your prediction? 24-17 was my prediction, yeah. I'm looking at a couple of teams that average 30 and 38 yard or 30 and 38 points a game. I'm telling you the defenses are going to step up in this one. Sure. I mean, now granted, 24 to 20 to 17 is not, you know, an exceptionally low scoring game, but I don't think either team is getting to 30. There Houston's 4 and 1 against the spread. Do you think they cover that? Yes. You do. So no. do I. I I I'm feeling more and more like Maybe this does come down to kickers. Yeah. I, I don't know why I get that feeling, but but it's a possibility. And I'm thinking we're going to talk to uh, Connor O'Neill about this in a minute, but uh, Nick Seba is the most accurate kicker in NCAA history as it stands right now. 67 out of 74, 905 percentage. Best mark for any kicker in NCAA and ACC history with a minimum of 50 attempts. If it comes down to field goals, we've got a good one in Andre Schmidt, but so do they. Very interesting. I'm telling right? you, this is gonna this is gonna come down to a to a final minute kick. Whoever whoever it's gonna be remains to be seen. But go ahead. But I mean, so my score my score prediction wouldn't would not be correct then. So I would have to probably change that to like 24 to 21 if that's the case. Because I really do think the kickers are gonna be prominent in this one. You want the crazy curveball on top of your curveball? How about a knuckle curve? Oh boy, who's punting? That's a good question. What are we doing, James Williams? How much eligibility do you have left, Rain? Is he kicking? I, I mean, are we going Kobe Barker, Ian Hawkins? What's the deal here? Who's kicking? <laughs> uh, there was a couple of bad kicks in the FSU game. Does it come down to something like that? You shank a punt and there's field position, and the next thing you know, that's the difference in the game. It was a holding penalty ultimately, and a few other issues, but that's ultimately what decided the game, mm-hmm. right? Is it something like that? We don't want to see it end like that. No, no, no. We don't want that to happen. I mean, that's been a discussion this week. It's crazy. All right, let's hear a little bit from Dino Babers. It's Exit 31 ESPN Radio, of course, and QSportsTalk.com. We're going to give you a quick little version of sound check right now. This is Exit 31 with Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Listen to this. Mic check. Rain and... Okay? Good. Here's your sports sound check. Listen to this. Mic check. It's it's so weird. It's muted. That's really weird. It's really, really it's weird. really weird. Hmm. You like that? QSportsTalk.com. It was, a, it was a nice little echo. It reinforced the idea. Couple second delay. Very weird. Was that drunk Scherzer? <laughs> That's what up? it sounded like. That's what it sounded like. Although, you know, he tra- he played it up like he was really drunk. I got to say, it, it absolutely, that echo, man, like when you have that echo in your ear, it's very, very hard to talk. Okay, but he was feeling good. I'm not saying he wasn't feeling good, but it's not like the guy was stumble over yourself drunk. Well, I can tell you that he was sober as a judge last night. Dino Babers, the coach on the Dino Babers show, some audio from that here in Soundcheck. I want to play you his answer to the, as I said, sludgy, slow-moving Wake Forest offense. They take their time to set up their plays. We saw that last year. You're going to see it again. I mean, it's a, it's a Dave Clawson thing. It's exactly the opposite. It's almost like it's QB sneak blocking. 
uh, they plug up all the, they use the center as a fulcrum and they, and they squeeze in the A and B gaps behind. It's like a flying wedge type thing, like the old bombers, 52 bombers in World War II. They had the flying wing. And now when they're all in there and all those gaps are secure, they kind of just wait for the defense to move themselves out of the way. So they really don't have to hold because they're really not going not anywhere. The they're not going left. They're not going right. You know, they're just kind of hanging out there. And as the defense starts to whittle itself out, then they they go and get them, and, and the backs find the creases, and they go. The back will either go inside or it'll go all the way around the left or all the way around the right. And the hit chart on those runs are, you know, sideline to sidelines, which makes it very difficult for the defense to stop it because they have to not only stop their gap, but they got to stop all the gaps because you don't know where the ball's going to go. Yeah, you get in there, though, and you wreak some havoc, and maybe that throws them off their game a little bit, and that's maybe where hopefully you see a turnover or two. Obviously, as we'd stated, not something you're seeing a lot of, specifically out of Sam Hartman. These quarterbacks are going to be key quite obviously, aren't they, always in every football game? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, it, it, it comes down to can Syracuse, can Syracuse's defense stop Hartman because he is he is going to be key. And at the same time, can if the defense can stop the passing game, can the offense establish the passing game? And I think that that's going to be a major, major key here. I think, again, we know Sean Tucker and what he does. He's going to have a good game. Is he going to Is he going to hit the century mark, the 100-yard mark again? I think so. I'm thinking like like 128. Really? You feel, you feel, you feel I'm it. I'm telling you, he's going he's gonna to ball. 25 carries? Plus or minus? Um, I'm I'm gonna settle in around that number. Uh, I know, think I think it's almost I'm, necessary. What'd you say? Twenty five. Twenty five. I'm I, I'm gonna say under. I think 21, 22. Uh, then how many times they throw the ball to him out of the backfield? You're gonna throw him a few more. You want the ball yeah. in his hands, clearly. I, yeah, that, that might might be like a like a sixer. You know, you're gonna see the ball in Garrett Trader's hands, and he's gonna use his legs a bit too. Is he throwing the ball around? Man, these quarterbacks are gonna be key to this game. Yep. A little bit more from Dino Babers here on X31 and ESPN Radio from the Dino Babers show last night, our sound check. I think the biggest thing is, is that, you know, Wake Forest does what they do, and, and some of the stuff they do resembles us. <laughs> yeah. yeah you've, you've <laughs> or said old that. us, as Sure, as you've said that for years, say. yeah. But, uh, you know, I think they're, they're a good system. They're an older team. They're, they got a bunch of five- and six-year guys, and uh, they know what they're doing. They know how to do it, and they do it at a high level. They do it at a high level. It's an undefeated team. You know they've got it together on both sides of the football. I think this is going to be a fun, exciting, typical cardiac cues type of game. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get wiped out like last year. I don't think you're going to have that type of letdown. I mean, when we hear from Dave Clawson later, he, he's talked about that. Syracuse is better mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. One of the things he said is, I talked about the quarterback. He said they found their quarterback. That's one of those things. He said the offensive line is better just a couple of days ago. Obviously, we'll ask Connor O'Neill about that in a second. But that's what we're looking at tomorrow at 3.30 when this game kicks off with Beth Moens yes. on the call. How excited are you? I love to it's see awesome. some ladies getting these gigs. And and Syracuse people. Yes. So, you, so it's, a, it's a twofer. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a female getting a good opportunity, and a female from from the Syracuse program that that uh, that's on the call. So I mean, it's it's great. I'm looking forward to it. I heard her on a game a couple weeks ago, and she, she was pretty good. She's she's really she's good. she's got it. So uh, it's going to be exciting. Now, obviously, it'll it'll be better if if Syracuse comes away with a win. Um, again, I, I just 
something about this matchup I feel good about. Upset special, baby. Bring it on. Last piece of audio from Dino. A little bit more on facing Wake tomorrow. I think the biggest thing is their you their unique, their experience. You know, they don't beat themselves. Low penalty type football team. They don't get a lot of holding calls on offense because of that running style play they do. That's I call it slow to go. You know, <laughs> okay. it's, it's slow mo, and all of a sudden it turns into fast mo at the end. And uh, from a defensive standpoint, you know, the guys with a lot of experience, the kicking game is so solid with the punter and, and the place kicker. And uh, it just makes one of those games where if you turn the ball over or you give them too many opportunities, it's not going to work out. In fact, I think their, their last couple of losses have been when they turn the ball over, and that's very unique. They normally don't do that. Yeah, no door punting situation. Oh, boy, it's going to be fun. Listen, we're going behind enemy lines with Connor O'Neill with Deacons Illustrated. That is next. QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio, and this is Exit 31. This means war. Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson go behind enemy lines. This means war. Oh, poof. A war. How dare you call me crazy? This means war. This means war. This means intense conflict. That's not the same. This is Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. This is actually Connor O'Neill with Deacons Illustrated to join us behind enemy lines to look at the matchup tomorrow. Undefeated Wake Forest against Syracuse, who's already tripled their win total from last year. Didn't end well for the Cuse last year, 38-14, but we covered that already. Uh, welcome uh, to, I guess, the airwaves in central New York. Uh, we found out he's been in the Dome a couple of times, so we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, but we want some players to watch for Wake Forest from the Cuse perspective. We've highlighted a few. Let's see if you throw a few of the same names at us. Welcome, Connor. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, so I think uh, just to start on offense, um, this Wake team runs the ball really well. Uh they didn't run the ball as well as they wanted to last year, and they've kind of re-emphasized it, um, just rededicated themselves a little bit. Uh, and so all three running backs pretty much get equal shares uh, of the pie. There's Christian Beal smith Christian Turner, uh, and Justice Ellison. And they all come from a little different background, but they're all kind of the same size, around that 5'10", 200-pound uh, frame. And, and they've all kind of broken out in different games this year. Um, Christian Beal Smith was really the the bell cow in the first couple. And then it was Christian Turner against Florida state. And now it's been justice Ellison kind of getting the bulk of the important carries uh, the last two weeks. So I'd look for the running backs on offense and on defense. Um, you know, one of the big names to, to watch for in warmups, uh, if you're going to be in the dome early is miles Fox, number 11, He's Wake's best defensive tackle, and he's missed the last two games with an injury. He sounds like he's trending to be back for this game, and he's going to be so important if Wake is going to slow down this, you know, all of a sudden this ground-and-pound Syracuse offense. Connor, uh, what about an analysis of Syracuse from the Demon Deacons' perspective? What's the scouting report from, from your eyes on the Orange? I think it's load up and stop the run. Um, you know, it might be a little unfair given Garrett Schrader hasn't had the most opportunity to throw the ball down the field, but I don't think his arm scares you. Uh, it certainly doesn't scare if, if you're Wake Forest, it doesn't scare, scare you nearly as much as 
the last two quarterbacks you faced being Malik Cunningham of Louisville and Brennan Armstrong of Virginia. Um, and I would say those are two of the best passers in the ACC. And I don't know that Garrett Schrader is anywhere close to getting that label yet. So I think you're, you're on defense. If you're awake, you're loading up the box uh, with a bunch of heavy looks and, and kind of daring Syracuse to throw the ball. And if they can uh, without Taj Harris, all of a sudden, then then you kind of live with it and you adjust. But I think that's the game plan coming out. And then for Wake's offense, I think it's really just do what you've done to everybody. Um, you know, it's a Syracuse defense. It's always going to – they're, they're going to get some TFLs. They might get some turnovers. Um, this is always an interesting matchup for me because Syracuse stresses turning the other team over so much, and they put they, – they, everything they do defensively is geared to turn you over and Wake Forest basically everything they do offensively to protect the ball and not beat themselves. It's funny. And they've done a really good job of that. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Dave Clawson said that a little bit earlier in the week. We want to get to some of his comments with you in just a second. Connor O'Neill with Deacons Illustrated behind enemy lines with us. It's Exit 31 on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You mentioned Fox. Keep an eye on him. He's making his way back. Uh, Dino Babers calls the injury report the Owie reports. We want to get a Demon Deacons Owie report from you expanded. Yeah, God, I wish uh, I can't wait for injury reports to be mandatory. I'm I'm kind of pulling for Vegas to, um, you know, stretch the limits of, of their influence and, and just have every college team give us an injury report like the NFL. But it sounds like Miles Fox is kind of up in the air. Um, if I had to say yes or no, I would guess yes, just because it sounded like he was going to be able to play against Louisville and couldn't. So I figure you give him another week and he should be able to go. Nasir Greer is is Wake's probably their best safety, who's uh, also missed the last two games. He, I mean, Clawson all but told us that he would not be playing in this game, that if he plays, he risks further injury. And, you know, while the goal is to go 1-0 every week and, and all that cliched one week at a time stuff, they're also taking into the fact that if you rest Monsieur Greer this week, you get the off week next week, and then you get him back to full strength for the second half of the season. Talk uh, go yeah, ahead. And then uh, we just learned uh, this week that Kobe Davis, who started the first four games at um, nickel, is going to be out for the year. So that's a that's a pretty big blow because he'd been playing pretty well. Talking with Connor O'Neill with Deacons Illustrated here on Exit Thirty One ESPN Radio Q Sports Talk dot com. So we've got kind of an interesting wrinkle in 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 this game. Two very good kickers, Nick Skiba from the Demon Deacons, and for the Orange we have Andre Schmidt. Do you think that the kicking game is ends up being a factor in this one? Does this come down to a field goal at the end of the game? What are your thoughts? I think it does. You know, it's. It's a line that opened at 11 points and immediately got bet down to seven. And now I think it's six in most places. I, I really do think this is a, a one-score game that could come down to, you know, which which kicker can make a field goal. And I think I think Andre already won a, a Groza award. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Skiba, you know, if Skiba uh, goes through the whole season perfect, he's already got the record for most uh, field goals made consecutively uh, a streak that actually ended in the dome two years ago. I think that a Grozo award could be in Skiba's future this, for this season. So yeah, these, these two kickers, I mean, 
you know, I, I love to point out that 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 uh, the hashtag that everybody loves, hashtag college kickers, doesn't apply to Skiba, and I don't <laughs> think it applies to to Schmidt either. It's so funny. Yeah, Syracuse also has an issue with punt with who's punting the football. James Williams, of course, didn't play against FSU. We're still not a hundred percent. 100% sure if we'll see him tomorrow, but we're kind of investigating that, and uh, we'll get to the bottom of it in a few minutes. We might see Kobe Bark, a couple of walk-ons based, a couple of like a freshman walk-ons is a possibility, and and there was a couple of issues in that last game, so we're wondering if that plays into field position, which then leads to the kick. But we've asked you about that, so we'll move on. Dave Clawson has praised Syracuse. He's praised Sean Tucker. He praised the defense overall, praised the offensive line earlier this week in his press conference, mentioned excuse me, mentioned the tough dome environment. Uh, anything else that he said in his weekly presser that stuck out to you, Connor? Um, I mean, the injury news was big. Like Dave is not very keen on giving us injury news uh, unless it's season ending. So that's where the Kobe Davis news was, was basically breaking news for us. Um, you know, the, the thing that I'm kind of focused on uh, in a preview that I'm writing right now is, you know, Wake's defense, for the last three or four years, they're able to string together good stretches of three, four or five games where it looks like they've turned a corner and then it'll just break and they'll, the floodgates will open and they'll give up a massive score. And, you know, it just, it feels like the other offense can do whatever they want. And, you know, that, it felt a little bit like the defense broke against Louisville, but you only give up 34 points. And so I'm really curious to see if, if that's as bad as it gets for Wake's defense, that they give up 34 points and are still able to win a game, then has this defense actually turned a corner? Is this actually a balanced football team that can both win games scoring 40 points and can win games you know, if their offense has a bad day, can the defense hold the other team to, to 10 or 13 points and win a game? Um, so that's really the way, the way I'm looking at it. This is, you know, two years ago, Wake was 5-0 and and the defense broke and they gave up 62 points to Louisville. Uh, last year, the defense kind of started broken and gave up a bunch of points to Clemson in the opener and then 45 or 42 points to NC State. They kind of fixed themselves. And then the first game in November, they gave up 59 to North Carolina. So I'm kind of curious if, if we saw the defense break last week and, and that's just as bad as it's, as it's going to get, or if there's something worse on the horizon. Is that the, is that the anomaly, the outlier for you this year? Yeah, for sure. Listen, we got to close things out and get to a commercial break. We want to thank you for joining us. A quick yes or no. Is this potentially a trap game for Wake Forest? Yeah, I, I think it is. Ooh, interesting. So uh, Syracuse fans are definitely going to have a little bit of fun with that in our chat at QSportsTalk.com. That's Connor O'Neill with Deacons Illustrated. We're grateful for the time. It's Exit 31 and ESPN Radio. We're right back with our breakdown with Stephen Bailey from 24-7 Sports. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Speaking of that, we got to get a, a poll up there. Does the Wake Forest Syracuse game tomorrow come down to a field goal? Who's the hero? Is it Skiba? Is it Schmidt? Is that how this ends? Going to be a kind of, a, I think, a fun in and around the 30s, maybe in the 30s. Yeah. I, I think Syracuse performs against the spread, moves it to 5-1. and one. I still I think, think it's 
I still think it's in the 20s, but... You think a little I, bit lower. Yeah, I'm thinking a little bit lower. Right, is it because of some turnovers, uh, defense is stepping I think the, up? Yeah, I think the defense is step up a little bit. I think I think the offense is not... I don't, I'm not going to say they struggle a little bit, but I think they're largely contained. All right, well, let's get the breakdown with Stephen Bailey at 24-7 Sports. He's on the Accelerate Sports Complex phone lines right, ne- right now here on Exit 31 on ESPN Radio. Uh, why did Garrett Schrader excel versus F? SU. Yeah, I saw your tweet earlier, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, I rewatched the game, and I, re- I just really thought Florida State tried to stop Sean Tucker. Um, and they played up on Syracuse's wide receivers. They basically dared Syracuse to beat him over the top, and in doing so, they kind of created space for Schrader to operate. Um, and he won some one-on-one matchups against some really good players. But Florida State wasn't really able to rally to him on those designed rollouts, especially that we saw starting with his 55-yard touchdown, but also on the next drive, two connections to Damian Alford, another run that set up uh, his own one-yard rushing touchdown. So, you know, I think Florida State didn't really account account for that as well as they should have. I mean, heck, he hasn't shown it on tape. So, you know, I, I get why they played it that way. Um, but I think it's clear that, you know, the, the, the game plan to stop the Syracuse offense is back the box uh, and don't don't overplay Tucker. you got to respect them both. But, I mean, the teams are going to keep there in Syracuse to beat them over the top until they hit on a couple of shots. Do you think the, the passing game for Syracuse plays more of a factor in this one? And also, do you think, you know, Chris Almore is, is, is listed as, as tight end number one in this week. Do you think that we see him getting involved more in the offense with some maybe maybe some short route receptions? Oh, uh, did you say Benson? I said uh Elmore, sorry. Oh, Elmore, sorry yeah. about that. Um you know it's it's possible. I mean, he was used pretty you know, pretty selectively as a run blocker uh against Florida State. And mm-hmm. it could happen. I mean, everyone says he can catch the ball. Um you know, I I think Syracuse is going to try and run the ball first. And I'm, what I'm interested to see is, like, everyone talks about the bland play calling at Florida State, but now that you have those rollouts on film, and if you watch the offensive line, I mean, they're running left. <laughs> you know, it looks like a run to the left. So can you sit on that the same way? So I, I think that's kind of going to be the, the initial push-pull approach that, that Syracuse goes with. So are we running it or is Schrader rolling out? And then if he's rolling out, uh, are, are, do you have someone spying him? Are you sitting in zone coverage? Um, you know, he threw a couple of nice balls on the, on the run yesterday. So I think that will be explored before, you know, a straight vertical passing game. But look, I mean, they're going to get man coverage on the outside. So I guess it just kind of comes down to, you know, if Lake Forest stops Syracuse running the ball, which matchups, you know, will they try and take advantage of? And you know, Syracuse doesn't really have a receiver that's proven that they can win one-on-one in those scenarios. Pass Harris gone. So, you know, again, I think we're going to learn a lot about the offense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Absolutely. You've got to make small improvements every week, right? And Garrett Schrader's kind of been building upon things over these past few weeks. Sure. Our breakdown with Stephen Bailey with 24-7 Sports, 2.30 Mondays and Fridays, Exit 31 ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. So we want the Owie report, the injury report uh, for Syracuse. Uh, uh, beyond James Williams, who, as far as the punting game is concerned, we're hearing is a game-time decision now, because if you got to go with another walk-on, you don't want to run into a situation where you've got an 11-yard punt affecting field position, and then this game comes down to a field goal, as we had just discussed. 
yeah, there's a lot of important guys who are either dinged up or have availability concerns. Uh, Luke Benson, the you know, Syracuse's other tight end along with Elmore, hasn't played in three weeks. You know, he's dealing with a knee issue. I don't know if he'll be back. Um, if he is back, you kind of have some flexibility. And, you know, when you look at those design rollouts, maybe he's a guy who you you can kind of let slip out and make some plays in space. Like he's a candidate. He's a guy who's skillful that I do think matches with Garrett Traders, although we obviously haven't seen the tight ends incorporated into the passing game. Um, but still, he'd be good to get back to Hot Carter starting boundary safety. He's been out a few games. You know, I haven't seen anything to indicate that he would be back. And Eric Coley has done a pretty nice job filling in for him. Uh, but he's certainly an important absence there. Uh, and then the biggest one is Darius Tisdale, you know, who's one of your top six offensive linemen, a guy who started most of the games this year, played a bunch of snaps at right guard and right tackle, and came off with an apparent right knee injury at Florida State. Didn't put any weight on that leg. And, you know, unless he's back this week, and it, it doesn't look like it <laughs> based on how he left the last game, you know, you got Carlos Federos, you're ever down right tackle. He has had some issues this year. Uh, and then if one other guy goes down, you're, you're turning to someone who you don't trust. So, you know, all the offensive line stuff that we talked about in the preseason, and Syracuse doesn't really, really had to worry about the last five weeks, that could really pop up again with another injury. I mean, the loss of Tisdale is, is very, very significant. Uh, Sam Hartman also going to be a big factor in this one. We think he can pass the ball. Uh, obviously, they have the three-headed monster uh, in, in the running game. But do you think Syracuse is able to prevent big passing plays, especially up the middle this week? Do you think Syracuse's defense can slow down the, the aerial attack that Wake Forest is expected to bring? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it's going to come down to early down rushing defense, right? I think if Syracuse can put Wake Forest in passing downs, um, you know, they, they can you can drop guys in coverage, you can be aggressive. I think they can make Hartman uncomfortable. But if you can't stop the run and your safeties have to be creeping up and are in run support, that's where you get a little worried with some guys who maybe don't have a ton of experience, right? Deuce Chestnut and Jason Simmons are gaining experience or – a ton of speed, you know, Eric Coley and, and Justin Barron, you know, two guys who maybe don't have the recovery ability of, of some other defensive backs. You know, it's those situations that I kind of think Syracuse could really get hurt on. Um, but, but what helps them is when you look at the Florida State game, the secondary was playing way off. I mean, we're talking like eight-yard cushions uh, at the line of scrimmage because there's a speed disadvantage. Uh, I don't think they're going to have to do that against Wake Forest. I mean, Wake Forest has good players, but you know you can you can play them tight to the line. You're, I don't think you're going to see Wake Forest go after the flat early like Florida State did with its tight end and its running backs. Um, I think it's you know I think Syracuse's defense athletically can hang, and and that should allow them to put themselves in more favorable third down position. I'm just hoping that we can see the defense get in there, make some noise, create a turnover, which is not something that happens a lot with Wake Forest, uh, but. You know what? We talked about Sam Hart, and let's flip this over to Garrett. Clearly, Sam uh, will throw the ball more and probably be, and well, he'll definitely be more successful overall than Garrett Schrader, but Garrett's going to have to throw a little bit. What wide receivers step up in the wake of Taj Harris transferring? What is it from watching film and rewatching film? Who are you seeing that might be the, the player that not just breaks out against Wake Forest, but maybe we can start to see something build in this game that translates through the rest of the season, the rest of the season, excuse me. I think there have been flashes with a few different guys, right? Um, Schrader hit Courtney Jackson on a, on a nice 
choice route, uh, I believe in the first half against Florida State, and that's been a big issue, right? When you see Garrett hang on to the ball, usually looking over the middle, he's not sure where a receiver is going to break. It's not a timing route. You've seen him hit on a couple timing routes. He hit a third and four ball to Taj Harris against Liberty. It's a timing route. It's not an option route. The option route that he's really had trouble with because you need to be reading the secondary the same way and, you know, limited reps, all the things that factor in to, to that. You know, it's, it's been problematic. So that's an encouraging sign uh, for Courtney Jackson. Uh, Anthony Queeley, they hit a couple crossing routes, a couple well-executed scheme plays. Florida State's playing quarters coverage. Uh, and Sherrod Johnson pulled out on that touchdown, pulled the safety uh, out to the corner. Queeley comes underneath. So you, you see recognition there, right? You see something building with Anthony Queeley uh, and Garrett Schrader uh, and partially the wide receiver group as a whole, right? It's, it's, it's you know, a schemed play. So you see some something with those two. And then Damian Alford caught a couple balls moving across the middle on those rollouts. So I've seen a little bit from all of those guys. I, I thought Devon Cooper had a good game as well. Um, mostly blocking, uh, running good routes that opened up other things. You know, I, I, I really don't think it's going to be one guy going off. I, I think it's going to be a balanced approach. Um, but that's not how it's worked in the past with the Dino Babers offense. I'll say that. It's kind of always been one guy. So we'll, we'll kind of see if someone steps, you know, it, it kind of leans that way uh, or if they do end up you know, kind of continuing the balanced spread of targets. Yeah, you definitely tend to see a target number one, so to speak, but it might just be the collective. We're going to find out. Always appreciate you, Stephen Bailey. Thanks for the breakdown. He's with 24-7 Sports. He'll join us again at 2.30 on Monday. It's Active 31 ESPN Radio. We're at QSportsTalk.com. We'll get back in the chat, and you're killing me, Smalls, is next. Spencer, I'm just dying to find out what you got for me. Hang on. You're killing me, Smalls. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. You're killing me, Smalls. I've been uh, lacking on my my water intake today, my hydration level. I got to pick that up. Look at look at this bottle, folks. If you if you're on the QSports.com chat, I uh, I need to get the, I need to whittle this down more. What do you think? Are you are you well hydrated today, Rain? Uh, yeah, I've got some water. I've been drinking coffee. Well, if ninety nine percent coffee intake is hydrated, then yeah, I guess I'm good. All right, that's usually what I do. I have been drinking less coffee. I still drink a lot of coffee, but not nearly as much as I used to. Uh, you were called out about drinking that whole gigantic jug of water, it's um, but obviously it's not killing you, Smalls, because you didn't because you were worried about can you consume too much water. I think there is a point you can drink too much water yeah, at is. once. What you want, what you wanted me to do yesterday, is far too much. I didn't want anything to happen to you. I was wondering what the line was, like how much can you drink, and then just stop right there. Well, again, just right up to the line. Again, I show you that this 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 bottle is labeled. That 7 a.m. is when it's full, and by 9 p.m. that's when you're supposed to have drink, had the whole thing. That's what. Even though my my schedule doesn't line up with that, but you were telling me to to like chug the whole thing. Well, this it would have been fun to watch. This is supposed to be 14, 14 hours worth of water rain. I predicted the uh, Rams win just like I predicted on Thursday night football, just like I did the Monday night football game. Just telling you. And by the way, before the game was over, I just well, maybe my tweets were premature. Yeah, they they always are. Sorry. Like I I get it. You're an impatient person. I'm a very impatient person too. So I understand why you can't wait to brag, but like 
Again, you know what what happened the last time? You got to be careful in the in the Monday night game with I, the Chargers and the Raiders. I predicted it during Exit 31 while we were right here on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com on the air. Yes. I said it. Yeah, you we, did. It's on tape. But that's not my point. My point is at halftime, you were bragging about the fact that you picked the Chargers to win. Now, granted, yes, they ended up winning, but... Doing the, the Raiders, I was doing the same thing right, on Monday night. But the Raiders came out and scored 14 quick points in the third quarter. Yeah, and they ended up winning. I know the Chargers Handily. ended up winning. Rams I, ended up winning last night. Both quarterbacks, by the way, like dislodged fingers. Did you see that? Yeah. Oof. That was crazy. Yeah, but I did. Can you give me credit on Rainster Thomas, man? Yeah, I can give I I give you full props for picking the the right teams to win. I'm just saying I, I'm trying to help you out. A little advice. Like don't set yourself up by saying something too early and then leaving it open that if what you thought happened or would happen doesn't come to fruition, then all of a sudden you look like the idiot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on! You, you, you tweet how you're you're bragging about how oh, I knew the I knew the Rams were going to win in the third I, quarter. Least, you're just in mad. The third quarter, though. I got it right though. You're just mad because I got it right. Yeah, but but this is what's killing you. No, I'm not mad because you got it right. Because I, I got it right, too. Do you not remember? No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You, no, you didn't. I, I absolutely said the Rams were going to win yesterday. Monday night, you predicted Vegas. I predicted the Chargers. Yes. L- last night, I said the Rams, and I was right again. Yes, on Monday. I was wrong on Monday. I said yesterday on the, on this show, I said the Rams were going to win. Oh, you did. You said, I'm feeling the Rams, too. Yes. Yeah. I Th- said then we that, talked about the crowd, the 12th man. I, now, meanwhile, now, granted. I guess you're right. Okay. Now, granted, I, I also said that Chris Carson was going to be a a factor in the game and he was inactive. So I was wrong there, but, uh, but I did say the Rams were going to win My, again. I'm not angry that you make the prediction. I'm, I, I'm not angry. I, I, it's just that I feel I don't, I don't want to see you end up in a situation where in the third quarter, you're bragging about how you were right. You were right. And then in the fourth quarter, I was the, about to let you go. You're my sports festivist. You're my grievance. You're killing me, Smalls, and I'd be Smalls. But then you just flip it with that. What are you talking about? No way. No, I. You are killing me because you're not looking out for me. I am looking out for you. Is that teammate thing? As a friend, yes. As a as a line mate, we become best. Just become best friends. Game dogs. All right. Well, I guess. So do I. I still got to take this one for the team today. It's me today. It's well. It's you today. It's again. It's not your prediction. It's your premature celebration of your prediction. Yeah, I'm an eager beaver is what you, you're telling That's me. what I'm telling you. Yeah, all right. I, so I've got to just, I've got to zip my lip until, until the, game the game is, is over. over. That's what I got to start Absolutely. doing? Absolutely. Yes. I, I should probably improve that. Yeah. And if you, look, okay, here, I got to, if you really need to type out the fact that you're bragging because you guessed right, type it out in the notes section on your phone. Okay. So that at least you typed it out. Can I just text and you instead? Text, yeah, text me because I I don't want it to go on a public on social media until the game is over for your sake. So I should keep it off the public platform until until the conclusion of the game. My prediction is actually Correct. right. How did you not know I was going to do this, Noster Davidson? I, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> because you're, you're you're very erratic, so you're very unpredictable. Uh, I'm I'm even going to give you a Polly Sibilia one. <laughs> Got that one too. By the way, I watched that. I watched that episode last night. One of the episodes with Mickey Mouse. Isn't it crazy? Every the jo- time the Jonas Brothers were just at yeah. the Yamp and Cuse too. Yeah. Unbelievable. The Jonas Brothers are ha ha ha. What are you doing? Ha ha. Let's get to a kerfuffle. Let's get to some John Schmelk with Giants.com. Let's get to Mike Sar- uh, Mike Curtis with Syracuse.com. All next. Exit thirty one. ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. 
Who's got Twitter beef? Bulletin board material. We've got another Donnybrook, an athletic brouhaha. Let's go toe-to-toe. It's the Exit 31 kerfuffle. Ah, a classic conundrum. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain and WKTV Sports Director Spencer Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Our radio brothers on Orange Nation aired the clip that was featured in a Mike Curtis article on Syracuse.com uh, that he highlighted about Dino sending the three calls to the eight, to the ACC after the FSU game. And then Dino last night on the Dino Baber show went through an explanation on that. And without saying anything, because he wasn't, he's just here so he didn't get fined, uh, he didn't want that to happen. So he, he basically spelled it out without actually saying it, that we all know what he was talking about. We'll air that for you. Uh, we aired some Dino Babers audio earlier in Soundcheck when we talked to Mike Curtis at about 3.30 right here on Exit 31, ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. John Schmelk, if you're a Giants fan or, I guess, a uh, Cowboys fan for that matter, he's going to be joining us in a few minutes. Let's kerfuffle on a couple things, and then I want to stay with the theme of the Syracuse game, but I want to bring in some audio from Dave Kloss and Wake Forest okay. coach to close out our kerfuffle. Because like I'm just going to be blatantly honest, we're going to make fun of the things that he says a little bit just because we want Syracuse to win, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, right? <laughs> uh, it's crazy that he has the same name as Utica College women's hockey coach, too. It is. Insane. I know. Every, every time we, we, we mention it, I, I, I'm like, wait, when I, did you... I have to second go. I have to be like, wait, oh, we're not talking about the, the UC hockey coach. When did you stop coaching hockey, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so let's start with Matt Vaskirgen. Uh They're keeping A-Rod, apparently. But Matt Vaskirgen out on Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN. He wants to stay with the Angels, do some MLB Network stuff, and the commitment to be on the road for, what, 30 games roughly? It's a lot. So who's next? So let me throw some names out there. Discuss at QSportsTalk.com. Spencer, maybe you can pick one, but I'm going to run through real quick. Some names that have been floated. Boog Shambi, Carl Ravitch, Jason Benetti. With the White Sox and the Qs tie-in, and he is spectacular. Michael Kay's name has been floated. He's got young kids now. I don't know if he wants to yeah. do that. I mean, with his radio schedule and everything else, ay yeah, yeah. Jody, I think, is his wife. I think she'd probably put her foot down on that. Ryan Rocco, man. I, I mean, when Kay's done, it's his job if he sticks around with them. And yes, and obviously does the nets and everything else. He's great. Dave Fleming, that's a sleeper to me. Dave Fleming's real good. That's another one. Who do you think yeah. it is? Who's the favorite for you? Is there another name you want to throw out there uh, to take Matt Vaskirgen's job? Uh, what about Spencer Davidson? Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> no, I uh, am moving on. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't wouldn't that be awesome? Um, but no, I I, I actually think that uh, that that Ryan Rucco could could be the the, the guy. You know, he, he already does WNBA for ESPN. Do you want a younger guy to lock into that like John Miller was for years and years mm-hmm. and years? I wa- Yeah, I think I want a younger guy because, you know, they're, you're trying to make baseball appeal to the younger generation. Agreed. And, you know, Ryan Rucco is a guy that that has, you know, some some social media age somebody sayings. Around, somebody on, around 30, for yeah. example, like Spencer Davidson. Yeah, I mean, you know, exactly 30. Uh, but Ruko, he he, I think he would be entertaining. He would kind of bring it into the social media age. Yeah, he's good stuff. Um, he's he's very very good. So I, I and again, like I said, he does other stuff for ESPN. His pod so. with CC Sabathia is real R two C two. Yeah, it's real good. Freaking amazing. All right, well, let's move on in the kerfuffle here, though. We'll stay with baseball really quick. How about Yankee fans that are on the Tampa bandwagon versus Red Sox fans? 
Ha ha. Randy Rosarena. That hasn't happened in Jackie Robinson is like the last steal of home in, in that type of situation. A home run and a steal of home. And he's still technically a rookie. There is something about the postseason in 21 games. He's 11 home runs. He basically joined Tampa right before the end of the season in the playoffs last year. And then just was on a terror, a tear. He went off and it just hasn't stopped. The second you get into playoff baseball for this guy, he flips a switch it's unbelievable. That's truly remarkable what he has been able to do so far, especially when you watch so-called, you know, greats, yeah. of generational greats that just fail spectacularly in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Not him. Nope. I, I mean, I mean it, yeah, you, you got a guy like Clayton Kershaw who, you know, got it done last year. But before that, I mean, he was obviously sensational each regular season, but couldn't figure it out in the playoffs. I mean, Rosarena is the exact opposite. He's nothing to scoff at. I'm not saying he's a, he's a he's a bad player in the regular season, but just those players, some can just flip the switch and turn it on. I mean, you saw it in in, in hockey. Justin Williams. I mean, Mister Game Seven. He was never one of the leading scorers in the NHL in the in the regular season. Come playoff time, that guy was all over the score sheet in big moments. Is there any Yankee fan that hasn't jumped on the Tampa bandwagon? Well, I'm a, I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan for the next four games max. And that's it. And then I will be rooting against them. Well, it's tough because let's say it's the Astros versus the Rays. I would rather I would rather just gift the one of the NL teams the World Series because I wouldn't want to have to watch either of those teams make it to the World Series. I'll keep it real. Whoever won that wild card game to face Tampa was going to be a tall task, whether it was the Yankees yeah. or the Red Sox. Unfortunately, it wasn't the Yankees, and it is now the Red Sox, which turns my attention to the fact that um, it really is terrible that it got shut out, and you looked horrible, and man, Tampa's good. That's really the point. And I got to—I can't even rip on the Red Sox. Tampa's just good, really good at every aspect of the game, on the field, analytics, managing. It's just unbelievable. To have a player like a Rosarena, guess what? The Yankees don't have that guy right now. The Red Sox don't have that guy right now. Not a lot of people, not a lot of teams left in these playoffs have that guy right now that raises his game to the level that a Rosarina does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just amazing. Plus, it was, it was awesome. It was so awesome to see all the Tampa Bay Rays fans taking in their first Major League Baseball game last night. Yeah. <laughs> there was fans in the trap. I mean, crazy, who, right? who knew the Tampa Bay Rays had fans? It's pretty incredible. It really is. It's pretty, it, was, it was weird to see the trap full. Um, you know, a lot of people finally were able to discover what Tampa Bay Rays baseball is like for the first time last night. Yeah. It was it was a pretty incredible scene there at the Trop. So listen, uh, last but not least on our kerfuffle, it is here here on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com is Exit 31. That's us, Spencer, versus <laughs> uh, Dave Clawson, the coach of Wake Forest. We will air that special piece of audio from Dino where he talked about how you send plays into the ACC when we get to Mike Curtis. If you're just joining us, I wanted to remind everybody so you can stand by for that in a few minutes. But let's hear a little bit from Dave Clausen. It was kind of like Hugh Freeze. There's a difficulty in playing in the Dome. The Loud House gets to you. Even if it's not a massive crowd, just the way the building is constructed, it gets echoey in there, it gets loud in there, and if you're on the opposing team... And fans are making noise. It is hard to hear. It's hard to communicate and run your offense. It's Dave Clausen, I guess, crying a little bit about it. It's always a tough place to play. It's a very unique environment. The lights are different. Catching punts, catching kicks. 
uh, spatially. It's it's just a different setup. So tell me how bad you feel for them on that. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, it feels like uh, they can continue their success. Plus, now now the the dome is air conditioned, so you guys don't stand a chance. Oh yeah, they're going to be comfortable fans. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to have lots of energy. Yep, not going to be drained or sapped or dehydrated at all. Because I mean, some people have a beer or two. Yeah, so that's just, a thing. Just a couple. Do you think that the undefeated success of Wake Forest this year can continue, Dave Clawson? It feels a little bit more sustainable and. I think it's just because I feel we're a more balanced team. And this one just feels like we don't have to necessarily be perfect on one side of the ball to win. I feel like maybe a trap game. We've heard that suggested. A little high on yourself there, but you don't have to be perfect on either side of the ball, on one side of the ball to win the game. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know, man. Dave, did you have something more to say about that dome noise that might get in your head a little bit? Are you going to underestimate the cues, and is this going to overwhelm you? It's a little different. Last year, there was no fans. You know, so part of the carrier dome is the noise vibrates. Regardless of the size of the crowd, it's always a loud place. But, you know, we certainly had problems two years ago up there. You know, that was one of those nightmare games that you, you never quite get over. We had guys go down, and we didn't handle the noise well, and we had guys that weren't ready to step up. Um, I think that game, as much as any game since I've been here, represented our need to get depth. Yeah, and don't don't worry, Spencer. We're not exactly bulletin board material for yeah, Wake I don't think, Forest. I don't think they care what we say. Although I have to say, Dave Clawson, your name's not nearly as cool as Hugh Freeze. That's absolutely true. Do you, you, you feel bad for him? Again, I'll ask you the question. It's going to be a little too loud for Wake Forest tomorrow. I think that should just inspire Syracuse fans to be even louder. Yeah. You, you let them know that, that it's a problem for them and it gets into their head. So ramp it up. You know, 10's not enough. The Loud House, that's the name of it for a reason. Mm-hmm. We amp it to, the, I got to 11. Yeah. Right? What do we do? We go higher than that? How many decibels can we get this to? I think I think the, the entire student section, at the very least, should just start chanting, Clawson. Clawson, really rattle them a little bit. Like you do to opposing goaltenders, yeah. for example? Yeah, I think I think we should just, I think that's what they should do. How, I, yeah. How about uh, Sean Tucker, possibly the best running back that Wake Forest plays? Dave Clawson said this. He is explosive. He can make you miss. He can run through arm tackles. He'll be one of the best running backs, if not the best running back that we maybe play all year. He is an excellent player, and he'd play for anybody in the conference and anybody in the country. I think he runs all over him, mm-hmm. right? I saw a prediction of about 140 yards, I believe, at QSportsTalk.com in mm-hmm. the chat. Something feasible when, when you look and, and you analyze this game from all aspects. That's something that Sean Tucker can do. I hope the thought of that is getting in their head. Yep. And you know what? I hope you turn around and you surprise them with a few throws. What wide receiver steps up? We talked about this with Stephen Bailey. It's something that Garrett Schrader has to continue to improve on. We know Sam Hartman can throw the ball. We need Garrett Schrader to do that just enough that this, now, I guess, power running game now between basically him and Sean can do damage. I know they had a, a young man transfer, but you know they're they're still very talented at wideout. They always have been. Is it is it a benefit to not have to say we know we have to focus on Taj because now there's a lot more options and everybody's in play, right? The depth is in play. Yeah. So is Sean Tucker out of the backfield. I think I think it makes it so that you know the defense for Wake Forest can't key in on one player. 
It's not like they 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 can double Taj Harris and know that they basically shut down the passing game. But but at the same time, I mean, we haven't seen any of the other receivers really fully establish as reliable targets. We haven't really seen a passing game. So how much is Wake Forest really going to be focusing on that anyway? I mean, they're going to be focusing on stacking the box and preventing Sean Tucker from getting through up the middle. Overlook cues. I dare you. Yeah. I think maybe we can surprise some people. You know, there's a lot of people out there that say no way, and there's plenty of people out there. I, I think we're kind of split. They go, no, I saw a little bit against FSU. I'm saying there's a chance, and I can live with that. And last but not least here, before we close out the kerfuffle, because it kind of carried over from your killing me, Smalls, I've got this for you, Spencer. He's that guy. I'm that guy. (laughs) I'm that guy. I will no longer tweet my predictions, my prognostication, until the completion of said games from now on. I'm just looking out for you, Rain. I appreciate you. X31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. For Giants fans, and I guess Dallas fans or NFL football fans, John Schmelk from Giants.com next. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. ESPN Radio, home of Giants football in central New York. And, of course, now all the attention of the Cowboys fans is here as well with the promise of John Schmelk from Giants.com. Uh, I want to start out with something Mike Greenberg said a little bit earlier today on ESPN Radio. He said, uh, take the Giants with the, with the minus seven with the points. Would you do that? Is it going to be that close? Uh, how is this going to happen? Are they going to are they going to cover? What do you think? Tough game against the Cowboys for the Giants on Sunday, John. Yeah, here's the thing. You know, you look at all the numbers and the metrics and the analytics, and you know, there's a good case to be made for the Cowboys winning this game by a couple of scores. However, you know, the Giants played very well last week against a good Saints team in their building, and traditionally, these division games in the NFC East between the Giants and Cowboys are always very, very close. And they're usually right down to the wire. It's a one-score game in the fourth quarter, and it's won by a late touchdown or a late field goal. And the Giants are playing a lot better today than they were in week one or week two. So I'm whatever it's Giants-Cowboys, I don't care what the two teams are and what they're doing, I always expect the games to be very, very close. And while I think on the surface, it looks like the Dallas Cowboys are probably at this time playing better, Week in, week out in this league, a lot of things can change, and I think the Giants are a team whose play is improving as the season is going along. So we'll see if they can build on that Saints win from last week. If they can, then that Saints game is very meaningful, and they're 2-3, and three, and they're one game out of first, already with one win over Dallas. So uh, I think this is a – I mean, you, you cannot have a much bigger and more important game than this in week five of the NFL season. It's huge. One of the constant criticisms of the Giants is offensive line. We've had this conversation so many times over the past couple of years with you, John. But they signed Isaiah Wilson, a reclamation project originally taken, I think it was by Tennessee. He's 22, had a lot of problems initially. But they're going to bring him in, and they're going to try to to fix some things and get him up to speed. It'll be a while, but how long is a while? What is the plan with Isaiah Wilson on the offensive line for the Giants? Yeah, offensive line coach Rob Sale was asked about this earlier in the week when he did his media availability. He said basically for two weeks, we're just getting him into football shape. So they're not even like putting him in practice yet for two weeks. They're just working on his conditioning so he's ready to practice. So that'll give you the idea of how long a runway this is going to be. And remember this too, guys. Isaiah Wilson was a late first-round pick. A lot of people thought that pick was a reach, right? And they thought he was more of a, of a day-two talent. He's played a grand total of three NFL snaps. So he's called a reclamation project, you know, project, 
Reclamation is assuming that he was a known quantity at any one point to begin with at all. You know what I mean? It's not like he's proven he's this really good player on the NFL level. So they have to teach this kid a lot. That he has to learn a lot about being an NFL player and, and being a good NFL player and being a professional and just getting to the point where he can do that. So uh, if he doesn't take a snap all year, that wouldn't surprise me. It's just a matter of how quickly he comes along. John Schmuck of Giants.com joining us on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. And John Saquon Barkley, over 120 all-purpose yards last time. Uh, trust in the process? Do we... Are we starting to see Saquon Barkley come back at 100%? The leg seems to be holding up pretty good. Yeah, look, I think the key is last week they got him the ball in space, right? They got him the ball on a screen pass. He ran for an explosive play. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore got Court Peekin on a little quick out by Evan Ingram, and Barkley got behind him. And then once he's one-on-one with the safety, the the safety basically has no chance. So I think you got him in a position where the athleticism can take over and shine. But I, I do think this week against Dallas, Saquon is going to be very important. Look, you have to score touchdowns against the Cowboys, and the best way to score touchdowns in the red zone is by running the ball. And I do think the Cowboys' rush defense is suspect. They only give up 60 yards a game, but that's only because teams haven't run it on them. They're giving up 4.7 yards per carry. So, for me, I think this is a game where Saquon could probably have his best rushing game of the year. The Cowboys' defensive front is fast, but it's not big. I think you could run it right at him. And I think Saquon, as long as he's willing to take some of those dirty four or five yard gains, you know, between the tackles, I think that could be a big part of the Giants rushing attack and offensive attack this week. I'm not saying I expect 402 yards out of Daniel Jones, but has he turned the corner now? Have we seen enough this year in year three that he's made a leap? How do you feel about Daniel moving forward? Yeah, I think you have to feel good about it. You know, we talked about it even before the breakout performance with the numbers. I thought he played well the first few games of the year, too, even though the wins weren't coming and in some cases the points weren't coming either, like against Atlanta. But I thought even the two previous games he was playing good football, and I think everything kind of finally came together in that week four game against New Orleans. I do think he's taken a step, and even Joe Judge made the point that he really thinks he's taken a step in his development in terms of, you know, running the team, seeing things pre-snap, making audibles, making changes, making good decisions, taking what the defense gives you. And I think they're being they're more comfortable now letting him do more and giving him more freedom. And frankly, I think the offensive line is blocked well enough to give him time to do these things. And frankly, last week, guys, a big part of those big plays and all those yards were yards after the catch. It was the Giants' best yards after catch game of the year heading in they were like the next to last team in yards after the catch and they had the six most last week so it was guys making plays after they caught passes from him which always makes the quarterback look better too so as we look at the game on sunday we've got to look at an injury report we just got notification jabril sterling darius definitely out saw a little bit more usage for yep. kenny galladay there's some other directions maybe not having as many options makes it a, a little bit easier for daniel and jason garrett for that matter to focus on certain targets offensively simplifies the process if you will uh give us the rest of the injury report and you know what anybody on dallas we need to know about that might miss the game yeah, for sure. I had a chance to talk to uh, Canarius Tony on the Giants Huddle Podcast. That's going to hit probably in a couple hours up on the Giants Podcast Network and the Giants app. And I think him getting ready and finally kind of hitting his stride and it clicking for him made those injuries to Sterling Shepard specifically a lot less painful, right? And I think that helped a lot. Kenny Galladay getting his legs underneath him, that helped a lot. And though that happening as Shepard and Slayton kind of went on IR, I think was a big 
factor in why everything worked last week. And I do think they have a good mix of guys, right? Tony's more that running catch guy, short short catches, intermediate. Galladay's more of your big contested catch down the field guys. So I think their skill sets kind of match well together too. Uh, otherwise, on the injury report, the other big one for the Giants, you mentioned the three guys that are out with the hamstrings. Uh, Andrew Thomas, he's got a foot. He's questionable. And if he can't go, you're looking at Nate Solder and then Matthew Parrott as the two tackles. Against a very fast Cowboys defense with pretty fast edge rushers, I think that's something that, that could be a problem for the Giants offense if that happens. So that's a real big game-time decision on Sunday that everyone should keep an eye on. For Dallas, both Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper are being listed as questionable. I'd be shocked if Ezekiel Elliott doesn't play in the game. Amari Cooper suffered that hamstring injury last week. He played through it. He's a pretty tough guy. I guess he'd go in the game. But if he doesn't, I do think it's a factor, considering they're already missing Michael Gallup, who's out. And then also Randy Gregory is uh, questionable with the knee, but he played through that last week. So i got to imagine he was going to try to play through it this week, too. John Schmoke, Giants.com. You're listening to ESPN Radio and QSports.com. Exit 31. John, um, defensively, how do they stop or at least slow down Dak, and Dak, Zeke, and this Cowboys offense, who's really, I mean, they've been showing up the past few games. Yeah, that, that's the thing about this Cowboy offense, man. They're so balanced. You, you try to find, all right, well, shut this down, then you have a good chance. You know, if you load the box against the run, they'll throw it on you. If you play two safeties deep and it prevents big plays, they'll run it on you. There's really no answer. The Cowboys can pretty much do everything on offense that you want a team to do. So I think you just have to limit the damage, right? Keep them out of the end zone when they get in the red zone. Prevent big plays. Make them work for everything. Hope they fumble. Hope, you know, make a play, make an interception, force them into field goals. I think that's the best formula here for the Giants defense because there are really very few weaknesses that you can attack. Maybe Terrence Steele at right tackle, Tyler Biotis at center, but that's really the extent of it. So last one I want to ask you, John. I started uh, out the conversation early with offensive line. I want to go back there again. You brought up Rob Sale and what he's done with Andrew Thomas this year. We're not having conversations of, about him. You know, he got a lot better those last, what, four or five games of last year. But you're seeing yep. big-time improvements with him this year, and I certainly hope this injury is uh, very small and insignificant if that's the case. You know, Andrew Thomas has been great. And, you know, all these people that were trying to write him off and say bust after one year where he had, you know, two different offensive line coaches and, you know, a pandemic offseason, we're just being foolish. You know, he checked all the boxes length and athleticism-wise. He's having a good year. There's no reason to think that he's not going to be a staple there, left tackle for the next decade. I think he's going to be a very good player. So how do the Giants win this game? I lied. One more. How do the Giants win this game? What's the key to actually beating Dallas? Because on paper, you look at this matchup, and even as a Giants fan from the Giants' perspective, it, it looks in favor of Dallas. Score a lot of points. Yeah. Look, you aren't going to – no, I'm serious. Look, look you, you aren't going to hold this Cowboy team to like 17 points, right? I mean, hope you, you know, try to get to 30. The Cowboy defense, they make a lot of big plays. They get interceptions. They, they create turnovers. They lead the league with eight picks, second in takeaways with 10. But they do give up yards. They give up almost 400 yards per game. So the big metric for this game, guys, is touchdowns per drive, right? You can't set up for field goals. You got to be aggressive on fourth down because you need touchdowns in this game. I don't care if you get them by running or throwing explosive plays. Maybe take advantage of a Trayvon Diggs with a little double move. He's peeking a little bit for a pick, get it over his head. But score touchdowns, man. You got to get to 30 points, get the ball in the end zone. The Giants have to solve their red zone issues. They're just three of 12 this year. 
um, in the red zone, or 412 rather. You got to get the ball in the end zone, score seven. You can move the ball on this Cowboys defense, and you're going to have to do it consistently because this Dallas offense is legitimately one of the best units in the league. John, it's that simple. Score the ball. John, as always, greatly appreciate the time. Every Friday about 3.15, if you're a Giants fan, you can check out John Schmelk right here with us. Uh, shameless plugs. Tell everybody where to find everything. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, Big Blue Kickoff Live is our daily show, uh, 12.30 to 1.30 on the Giants app, Giants.com. Uh, the podcast, it's also on the podcast platforms to search for Big Blue Kickoff Live. And then Giants Total Podcast, that's our interview podcast. I had Dan Orlovsky from ESPN on this week. He gave a really good breakdown of the Giants offense and Daniel Jones, which was really interesting. And again, our game preview uh, is coming up in a couple hours on that Giants Huddle podcast feed. Uh, we'll Joe Judge on that, Kadarius Tony. I talked to Cowboys defensive end Terrell Basham, former Cowboys quarterback Dave Loffenberg. So we cover the game backwards and forwards. Uh, Giants app, Giants.com slash podcast, and all your favorite podcast platforms. Giants Huddle, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Check it out. John, you're outstanding. Exit 31 ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. Let's get back in that chat. And right after this, Mike Curtis from Syracuse.com. Because it's Football Friday. We got to talk more about Syracuse and Wake Forest next. Exit 31. We're going with the boy, boy, though. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> if I didn't pronounce it right, tap in with me and, and let me know how to do it the right way, big dog. Straight up. This is Exit 31 with Rain and Spencer on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. I got to say, we're uh, getting closer to kickoff for this game against Wake Forest. 5 and 0, Wake Forest, but. I'm still not over that that loss to to FSU and and just the way way it it it, it all shook down, um, you know the calls late at the end of the game, uh, and and actually because of the, those calls, Syracuse sent in uh, three separate three different plays, different calls for review, which uh, you don't see Dino Babers do too often. And Rain, you got you got some some audio regarding I actually, that. I actually you do got? have the audio on that. This was Dino's answer from the Dino Babers show, Spence. It's it's basically you look at a you look at a play. And then you take that play and you submit it to the head of officials. And then the head of officials for the entire conference, this is the guy that trains all the other officials. And then he will look at it and say that he agrees with us or he disagrees with us and he agrees with the official. You know, they're really good about it. They're usually very prompt and they get their answers back. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what the answers were because I think that's something I could get fined for but that's the way it normally works and uh, you know they're really good about it the one thing that uh, one thing I will say is that uh, I won't let anyone no one can on some staffs anybody can turn that in for on my staff I have to okay it and one of the things I want to do is I want to have a 75% hit ratio I want to be right 75% of the time so so that they will look at it. It's not just I send in 40 plays from every game. So in all the stuff that went on in the Florida State game, I sent in three calls. And out of the three calls, we were 66 and two-thirds percent. (laughs) And even on the other one, it was an answer that I had never heard before in 35 years on why we were wrong. So uh, I like to have that ratio going. So And uh, they tell us that, you know, we're right or they tell us that, that we're wrong and that's about it, and you move on to the next game. So two-thirds right, I guess. Not not too shabby, not too bad. We're joined now on the phones by Mike Curtis of, of Syracuse.com. And, Mike, you wrote a little bit about this and, and, and Syracuse sending 
the the plays in. So uh, what, what, just give us some of your thoughts. What are your reactions to what uh, Dino Babers had to say there? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And thanks for having me on, guys. Of course. Um, I thought Dino did a very meticulous job of articulating his point um, without saying too much because he could obviously be fine for it. Um, we don't know which plays were deemed correct. We don't know which play was the one that was deemed incorrect or the one that he he never heard in his 35 years of coaching. Um, but I think everyone's obviously looking at the non-holding call that um, unfortunately prevented Marlo Wax from tackling um, FSU quarterback Jordan Travis. Um, it's the play everyone was talking about after the game. Um, even Dino in his Monday presser said that he thought he got held. Um, if you look at the video, you can see Darius Washington, um, FSU offensive lineman, just kind of hold wax a little bit, and then he pulled back as if he didn't do anything because I think he he knew he he, he committed um, possibly a penalty. So um, you you always say one one play can't change the game, but something like that, like Wildhack said, John Wildhack said that that was an egregious play and it should have been called. Um, and with with these type of situations, when you send a play in, I mean, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. You can't go back and correct it. But what the officials can do for future reference is just kind of show that clip as an example of if this is holding, if it isn't holding. It can help um, future outcomes of possible games. Throw the flag next time. What you described there, Mike, consciousness <laughs> of guilt. Consciousness of guilt. He knew he held it. There's no doubt. Mike Curtis, Syracuse.com, X31, ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. A little earlier, uh, we aired some other Dino Babers audio in relation to Wake Forest, and particularly when they run the ball, having that slow-developing, sludgy, molasses, quicksand, just slow-moving offense. You're going to see more of that tomorrow, but then again, they can also throw the ball. So tell us what to expect offensively from Wake Forest. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. They got... They got that three-headed monster, um, starting with Christian Bill Smith, and like e- either either one of those backs, they get the same amount of pretty much every, same amount of plays, and they all average, if I'm not mistaken, at least four carries a game. So it's going to be on Syracuse to kind of stop that rushing attack, um, while also trying to contain Sam Hartman um, in his huge passing attack. Um, I think, honestly, I think Sam Hartman is overdue for a turnover, maybe an interception. Mm-hmm. Um, you, can't, you, you can't make them all. But I also think, and I predicted that Wake Forest would be Syracuse. This is the first time all season that I've picked against Syracuse. <laughs> I just want to preface my comment by saying that. Um, but I do think that Wake is going to – that their offense is, is killer, man. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Um, that's one thing Syracuse has kind of had to tighten up over the, these past few games is those, those, those critical, those critical penalties. I'm sorry. Um, but I definitely think it'll be interesting. And another, another tidbit that I want to throw out there, um, Garrett Schrader's father actually told me that, um, Schrader played against Sam Hartman his sophomore year, um, in high school and Hartman was a junior at this time. And they actually came out with a win. So they came out with a one-point win over um, Sam over Sam Hartman when he was a sophomore. So this is kind of a rematch. So that that's an aspect that I'm looking forward to seeing. 
Mike, uh, from Syracuse's perspective, and, and I know that you said that, you know, unfortunately you are picking Syracuse to lose this game, but just from Syracuse's <laughs> perspective, you know, who do you think is a player that we see step up and, and we see become really noticeable in this game? Obviously, you know, an easy answer might be Sean Tucker, but, you know, is it one of the wide receivers? Do we see Queeley? Do we see Courtney Jackson? Do we see somebody else step up that has not been, you know, as prominent a name so far through the first four? Yeah, I, I wrote a piece actually earlier this week um, in the absence of Taj Harris, who steps up at wide receiver. Is it going to be Quigley? Is it going to be Courtney Jackson? Is it going to be Sherrod Johnson? Um, I honestly think a big name that we haven't seen much of since um, the Albany game is Damian Alford. I think he's the one guy who you can throw the throw the ball deep to, and he's six six. He has long arms. He can go up and catch it. So if Devito wants to air that thing out and show everyone that he's capable of throwing a deep pass. I think that's the target he needs to try that out with. All right, we got about a minute or so left with you. Mike Curtis of Syracuse.com. We're here with us on Action 31, QSportsTalk.com, and ESPN Radio. I'm going to switch the conversation to the NFL. All right. My Giants beat your Saints. <laughs> I'm really sorry, uh, but they've got Dallas next, so Dallas will probably avenge you this weekend. Uh, but how are you feeling about that game and in general about your Saints? It's it's actually funny. Um, I landed from Tallahassee coming back from the game last weekend, and I saw in the airport that how they lost, and I was like, ah, oh. it was just it was just a heartbreaker. Um, but like, I don't have any honestly, I don't have any high expectations for my Saints this year. If they get a couple wins, they make the playoffs. I'm excited, but um, man, I don't have a lot of high expectations coming off losing a Hall of Fame quarterback in your breeze. Yeah, and then you've um, got Jameis. Then you got Jameis, and he's basically what the Giants have. Daniel Jones. Good Daniel Jones, bad Daniel Jones. Mistake-prone uh, Jameis Winston throwing interceptions or the good version of Jameis yeah. Winston. We're in the same situation here, Mike. Man, it's crazy. Listen, always appreciate the time. Let's do it again next week at some point. Enjoy the game, and uh, we'll check back in with you very soon. Always appreciate you, okay? For sure. Appreciate it, guys. Yep, the one and only Mike Curtis. It is ESPN Radio. We're right back with the last thing we'll say today. This is Exit 31. Here is Rain Stradamus and Nostra Davidson on ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Here's the last thing we'll say today. Jacksonville Jaguars fire Urban Meyer. A lot of speculation in NFL circles. Jeff Fisher. Mm. Can't go 8-8 eight and eight anymore, but 7-9 and nine and 9-7, nine and seven, you're going to see a lot of that. I was going to leave that out there. We'll see if that percolates over the weekend and we'll discuss, I'm sure. Uh, that being said, tonight it's Utica Rochester. Am I right for your little preseason hockey? That's right. And then you go Uticus tomorrow. Can't wait for this to fire. With the regular season, yes, I know. I know what you said earlier, Spencer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in a week. Uh, but then Sunday, Syracuse, Rochester. So Uticus, Galaxy Cup, three way throwdowns, talking some hockey. You're straight Utica. I'm Switzerland. I'm right up the middle, man. Yeah, you're not Switzerland. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm staying in the middle. I don't nope. know about that, man. Nope, nope, nope. I'm staying in the middle. I got I to gotta ask, what would Utica and Rochester be if it's Uticus for the Crunch Comets? So what would, what is it like, like Rochester? Ut- Utica Rock? U- rock, Rock Utica? U- U- Uticester? Racha Utica, Racha Cha Utica, Racha Utica. Uh, this is a. Why are we having this conversation? Somebody's got to help us out with that. QSportsTalk.com in the chat. Uh, listen, you're going to get some football Friday from Brent Axe. You're going to hear quite a bit about Wake Forest and Syracuse. I'm sure. Um, I want to hear. I want to hear what you guys say 
uh, maybe you could put that in the the hot takes, right? They do the it's getting hot in here thing. They throw that in there about that five nothing loss to Tampa because I'm over the loss. I, I know I have to move on. It's the off season for me, but the Red Sox, I mean. You're in the NLDS against a team that's going to whoop you. Mm. So, yep, we're on that Tampa bandwagon. All the Yankees fans are. Along with half the city of Tampa. Yep, take take another 5 nothing loss. Oh, man. That was awesome what a Rosarina did. It was absolutely awesome. Unbelievable. You got Brent X, the king of sports talk afternoons in central New York. Up next, you're on the block on ESPN Radio. Have a great weekend, and let's go Q's tomorrow.